0: The key ingredient for kids is to have regulated adults around them. And that's really the challenge for us as as the grown-ups in kids' lives, is how do I anchor in regulation so that I can be regulated and offer that safe, predictable, welcoming energy to my, my child.
1: Welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber. If you are a regular listener of this show, you'll be familiar with polyvagal theory, as it's come up in multiple interviews, including those with Dr. Mona Della Hook and Seth Perler. But this episode is the first one dedicated solely to exploring this powerful theory. And to do that with us, I am thrilled to be talking with Deb Dana, a clinician, consultant, and author who's known for being a translator of polyvagal theory, which was developed by Dr. Stephen Porges in the mid-1990s. In this episode, Deb gives us a primer of the key points of polyvagal theory, and in doing so, explains the ways in which it can support the way we parent our differently wired kids. Deb Dana explains nervous system pathways why co-regulation is essential to our survival, what befriending and listening to our autonomic nervous system looks like in practice, and the benefits of having a breathing practice. We also talk about why these concepts can change our relationships to our daily life, even if our circumstances stay the same. Before we dive into this interview, here is a little more about my guest, Deb Dana, a licensed clinical social worker uses the lens of polyvagal theory to understand and resolve the impact of trauma and create ways of working that honor the role of the autonomic nervous system. She's a founding member of the Polyvagal Institute and developer of the signature Rhythm of Regulation Clinical Training Series. She's the author of several books on polyvagal and the nervous system, including the one we're talking about today, Anchored, How to Befriend Your Nervous System Using Polyvagal Theory. I just loved this conversation so much. As you'll hear, it kind of blew my mind open in unexpected ways. And since we first recorded this conversation, it has continued to impact the way I parent and move through the world. I hope it lands for you in an equally powerful way. Thanks so much. And now here is my conversation with Deb Dana.
0: Hello, Deb, and welcome to the podcast. I am really happy to be here and and to meet you and to dive into a conversation.
1: Yeah, me too. This is a conversation I've been looking forward to and was thrilled when you accepted my invitation to come on the podcast. I know you're interviewed a lot, so I want to just start with your personal why, and if you could just tell us a little bit about the work
0: that you do in the world. I like that, my personal why. Yeah. It's a thing I've been reflecting on recently because you know I'm I'm 69 and I'm at that place where I'm trying to decide what is it that I want to bring out into the world and and my passion is really for helping people understand how their nervous system operates so that they can begin to become active operators of it because the nervous system is at the heart of every moment in our lives and and I think in the world we're living in right now a regulated nervous system is a path forward to healing to individual and, and community well-being. And it feels like it's a time to to really be offering how I look at this work to, to others. So I suppose my personal why began in the clinical world. I'm a, I'm a clinician and began, you know, wanting therapists to be able to help their clients in a different way and now it's expanded to oh can can we help reshape the world perhaps so that it's a safer place for people to live
1: i love that mission and it is so timely you are known as a translator for polyvagal theory which i love because it is complicated even reading your book which we'll talk about today I was telling my child I have to keep going back and like rereading these paragraphs and you're breaking it down in such an accessible way but it's a complicated theory and just concept and it's something we've dabbled in here on the show Dr. Mona Della Hook has been on a couple times and I know her work is very rooted in polyvagal theory to talk about your book what were you hoping to do through anchored and the subtitle is how to befriend your nervous system using polyvagal theory
0: yeah and, and and we should give a beautiful round of sending gratitude to stephen porges you know my dear friend and colleague who is the developer of polyvagal theory and he and i were actually talking earlier today and and you know just really marveling on his creation right which which has then allowed us as people as clinicians, as parents, partners, to understand how we are human in in a different way, which really I think is the gift of polyvagal theory. And and for me, I think, you know, writing anchored was to bring these three organizing principles that i talk about neuroception hierarchy co-regulation out of the therapy office and into the family home and everyday life because this really is i think the foundation of how we move through the world those three steve has lots of of principles in polyvagal theory and i i think you know these three to me really feel like the important ones so you and I just met a few minutes ago and our nervous systems are getting to know each other, right? And that's what happens moment to moment in our lives and understanding how that happens through, if we start with, with neuroception just for a minute, that our nervous systems are communicating through this biological experience, right? Our, our brains are then bringing some logic to the experience but it's a it's a embodied experience we're having and and it's happening all the time inside our bodies in the environment we're living in and between nervous systems and i think if we just understand that to start with it's pretty profound right it's a powerful experience because i can feel into my own experience and go oh i'm feeling a little on edge and then I can go back to neuroception and say, well, neuroception is, is, is feeling some signs of danger in one of those pathways. Which one is it? Or maybe all of them. And I can begin to look at those pathways and do something with them. The same is true if I'm feeling really, you know, welcomed, which I am with you at the moment. And I could stop for a minute and think, ooh, those three pathways are getting a, a welcome. What is it? right? Because when we know this about ourselves, we can begin to use that information wisely, right? I think that's a missing piece of information for most of us. We don't think about this biological conversation that's going on.
1: It really is such a game-changing concept, and you talked about the pathways, and in my last conversation with Mona, we talked about the Nervous systems and the pathways of our kids, which she talks about the red, green, and blue pathways. But could you describe the pathways as you've explained them in your book?
0: Yeah. So, so you know the the neuroceptive pathways, and then we have the hierarchical pathways. And I think Mona in the red, green, blue—I can't remember colors—is talking about the hierarchical pathways. So let's talk about the neuroceptive pathways, which we touched on first. The nervous system is always getting information from inside, inside our body, outside in the world around us, and between in in the connection with other nervous systems, with other humans, right? Or, or even with pets, right? With our mammal pets, we get that. So that inside, outside, between is always bringing information. But because it's neuroception, we don't listen to it unless we tune in. It, unless we invite our brain to pay attention in a certain way, then we can tune in, which is, you know, like, oh, so what is going on in this moment? And you might take a moment and just listen in those three pathways. So listen inside your body and, and what is going on, right? It's, it's, it's late morning for me as we're doing this. And, and I just had a second cup of coffee a while ago. And, and inside it feels very warm and relaxed. So for me, it it's feels safe inside. Other people might have a different experience. And then outside in the space you're sitting in to listen, you know, does it feel like a welcoming environment or is it a bit of a warning in your environment? And then the between, right? In the between and for people listening, it can, the between can happen because our voices are, are reaching out. Right. You and I get to also see each other, you know, which adds that other between. But even the people who are just listening, there's a between happening. So that's the neuroceptive three pathways. And when the signs that we get are welcomes, we then move to a certain place on the hierarchical pathway. When there are warnings, we move to one of the two survival states. And that's where monos might be, you know, red, yellow, green. What we want to talk about is at the top of the hierarchy is what is called ventral. And then the first survival state we go to is sympathetic fight and flight. And most of us know that pretty well. And the 3rd the, the third state, the other survival pathway, is what is called dorsal. And it's a place of shutdown collapse right so we have these three states and depending on the signs from neuroception we are then taken to one of those states so we get that that conversation between neuroception and hierarchy and i think that that's a lovely thing to to understand that that it's our neuroception that then drives us to one of these states and so Again, when we're in one of these states, we have certain thoughts, feelings, behaviors, stories that come alive, and they're very different depending on which state we're in. And I think, again, for moving through the world on our own, understanding, oh, I'm in more sympathetic anxiety at the moment. And so the story that my brain makes up around that is one about the world not being safe. If I'm in ventral feeling okay, regulated, organized enough to make it through the world, the story my brain makes up is, Oh, it's interesting to explore today. And if I'm in dorsal, that other survival state that, you know, where I'm in collapse, shutdown, disconnection, the brain makes up a story that says it's hopeless. Don't even bother. Right. And, and what's interesting to remember is that nothing in the experience is different. The experience stays exactly the same. It's my nervous system state that that brings these different stories, behaviors, beliefs, feelings to life. Right. So when I'm working with people, what I like to say is I can't change what happened to you and I can't necessarily change what's happening now but I can change your relationship with it because I can help you find the state of regulation that opens a different story up. And I think that's really, again, some of the powerful learning we have from this theory.
1: Yeah, again, it is such a different way of looking at things and understanding our responses, our kids' responses. We'll be right back after this quick break. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. There's so much more to maintaining a healthy gut microbiome than eating a balanced and healthy diet. Travel, certain medications, and of course, Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. I want to talk about co-regulation, but... Before we talk about that, I guess I'm wondering, based on our nervous systems, and, I, and knowing who the audience for this show is, we have kids who often spend a lot of time emotionally dysregulated, may have pretty intensely wired nervous systems. And so I'm just wondering, is this something that we're born with? Is this mostly nature? Is it part nurture? Like, what's really going on there?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think we come into the world, perhaps with sensitivities. But what the research tells us that our nervous system is shaped by our lived experience. So so that could be a, a, a nature nurture. Well, there's a lot of research that tells us that we can reshape our system. And that's really why I'm a therapist to help people reshape their systems. Why I wanna bring this to the world because I want people to know you're not you're not locked into the patterns. Of protection that you're experiencing right now. You can build patterns of connection and, and the world can feel different, can look different for you. So for kids who, who have more sensitive nervous systems, Right. Whether it's the the neurodiverse community or the population I worked with were kids who grew up in dangerous family systems, dangerous worlds, abusive experiences, and their systems are shaped by those experiences as well. And the the lovely thing is that over time we reshape those systems. Right. And the the key ingredient for kids is to have regulated adults around them. And that's really the challenge for us as as the grown ups in kids' lives is how do I anchor in regulation so that I can be regulated and offer that safe, predictable, welcoming energy to my my child. For me it's to my grandkids or to the children around. And the thing I would love to Say is that none of us are anchored in ventral all the time. Right. It's it's not possible to do that. And so if you're a parent and you know you've reached the point where you, you just you cannot hold your anchor in ventral, know that you're not alone. Right. It happens for all of us many times a day. We leave and come back. And it's not the getting pulled out of ventral, out of regulation that's the problem. It's if we get pulled out and get stuck in dysregulation. If we can't find our way back to regulation, so the goal is to find ways to return home. I call it home to ventral, right? And when we're with our kids, help our kids begin to create their own pathways back to regulation, right? And and it's challenging to do, challenging for grownups in the world we're living in right now, and then challenging for kids because they're just learning, right? I think the nervous system inherently knows how. To take us back to regulation, I do believe that. I know, I think it's built into our systems, but often we have to uncover those pathways and then walk those pathways often so that they become well-worn pathways. And, you know, with the kids that I, that I see and even thinking about my grandkids, you know, they get dysregulated and they can't find that pathway back. And it's up to some adult in their world to be regulated and say, let me help you find the pathway back, right? Then once you get on that pathway, you can begin to see the system coming back to regulation. And, you know, we have to be patient with that process.
1: In thinking about co-regulation, I wrote down that you said in your book, without co-regulation, we can't survive. And even just reading that really blew my mind because in this work that I do being the parent of a neurodivergent kid, first of all, co-regulation, it feels like kind of a new concept to me. And then in the context of, wow, this could be really cool. Like this would be a nice to have, wow, if we can co-regulate with our kid, that would really help them calm their nervous systems. But to read that it is essential for all of us for survival. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, and, and and I think it's important to talk about because in the world we live in, we talk about self regulation all the time, right? Self regulation is is what everybody's trying to teach and and reach for, and yet, if we only self regulate and can't also co regulate, we can't experience well being, right? And and in the the developmental order of things, we really need to learn co-regulation with a safe other first. And then on top of that, self-regulation then emerges. And for many, many people, that's not the case. It's done in the opposite way for all sorts of survival reasons. So, yes, co-regulation is a biological imperative. We need it to survive and and to thrive. And we sometimes are in relationship with people for whom co-regulation is very challenging. Right. And then our experience on the receiving end of that is often a move into some sort of survival state because the the expectation our nervous system has is that we're going to reach out and someone will reach back. Right. And for, for many, many of us, that doesn't happen for all sorts of reasons. Right. You know use my personal experience with my husband Bob, who had a stroke seven and a half years ago and so his capacity for reaching and offering for reciprocity changed and has not returned to what it was and my nervous system still has that experience of feeling you know the the wound, like the the missing and then my brain can come online and say, oh, it's not that he cares any less for you, but he can't respond the way he did. But on a biological level, we have this expectation of give and take, back and forth, ebb and flow, right? And so for so many people that doesn't happen. And then we have to see where do we find the co-regulation we need so that we can offer what is needed to another person, right? And sometimes we look somewhere else so that we have – enough inside ourselves to offer until the other person or the child is able to reciprocate in some way. And I find that with parents and, and kids a lot when when a kid is, you know, is just not ready yet to be in that reciprocal relationship or is wired differently and, and the reciprocity looks different and feels different. I have to help the parent figure out how do you find what you need so that you can feel filled and then you can get what you're looking for and offer in this other relationship and in, in relationship with your, with your child. So there are lots of ways to, to find co-regulation. And I, in the work with couples that I do, I tell people we don't usually find it all in one relationship. It's just not the way we're built. You know, it, it's multiple relationships that fit all of the things we're looking for.
1: I'm wondering too, I live in New York City. So my child and I are often on public transport, my kid takes a subway to school, lots of people, lots of different energy. So when we're talking about co-regulation, is this something we're constantly doing, especially kids maybe who do have more finely tuned nervous systems?
0: Yes, yes, always because you're through neuroception, you are always getting those cues. Right. And then the, the, the work is to, you know, sometimes, sometimes become more aware of the cues and sometimes have a filter for the cues. There, there's both ends of that continuum where maybe I'm walking through the world and I'm oblivious to the cues. I'm not, they're not rising to the level of my awareness. Or maybe I'm walking through the world and I'm getting bombarded by the cues and I can't make sense of them or turn the volume down on them. So both, both are true. And, you know, we talk about co regulation. We also co dysregulate and we see that all the time we see i'm surrounded by people who are who are anxious or panicked and my nervous system you know follows them along because i it's i'm just it's too much for me and so i enter a, a survival state as well and we see that often in when lots of nervous systems are dysregulating at the same time that co-dysregulation happens so yeah and i, I was just thinking it, it you know you're talking about your childhood. You know, right. It's a subway to school. And I, I live in Maine, right? No, no subways. No, no, none of that. I was like, wow, that would be an interesting experience, you know, for my kids and, and my two granddaughters walk to school, right? It's like they just walk a couple blocks and they're at school and thinking it, that would be a very different nervous system experience, right? To be around so many other nervous systems regularly. And then, you know, by the time your child gets to school, their nervous system has had to meet a whole bunch of challenges. And the challenges can change every day. It's unpredictable. You never know who's going to be on the subway. with it. And unpredictability is really challenging for our nervous systems. So I can begin to understand what it must be like when your child gets to school. And then when we think, oh, and then when you get to school, you then have to create connection with another group of nervous systems. And we have a teacher, or more than one, hopefully, but at least one adult who then has to try and navigate how is she or he the the regulating influence for all of those nervous systems. We begin to see the complexity of bringing our, our beings together in this way.
1: You're making me want to move to the country. Yeah. <laughs> so, your book, you share a lot of strategies and methods for helping to get your ventral vagal system back online. One of your chapters early on is called learning to listen. And you talk about befriending your autonomic nervous system so that we can really start to know what it feels like when we go offline. This is an area of challenge for so many of my listeners, because we are often triggered by our kids behavior, and then we struggle to co regulate. So what is learning to listen really look like?
0: Yeah, if we look at the world through the lens of the nervous system, we are really being asked to be responsible for our state and then be responsible for what we're putting out into the world from that from that state. And, you know, finding regulation, coming there and anchoring there is is, is the goal, but it's very hard. And what I love to tell people is that it's the micro-moments that are what we need to start with it's not a great big like i'm going to stay regulated for the entire day today nope i'm not first of all i'm not i can't and second of all that's not what i need i need to notice the micro moments that's where i would start so the moments when you feel okay enough it's some somewhere i started talking about ventral bagel okayness it's not Zen bliss, amazing, all of that. It's just okay. I'm okay in this moment. I, I can see my way forward. I can engage with the world. I, I'm organized enough to feel okay. And that came from my clients. They would say, Oh, okay. Right. And then I was like, that's beautiful. And I, you know, I call those micro moments glimmers. Right. And so we're looking for glimmers because when you find a glimmer, your nervous system has this experience of, oh, okay. And then your nervous, your biology starts looking for more, right? So I'm always looking for ways that we can make it easy for us to achieve more regulation, because I think parents especially have so much on their plates, you know, to say, so add this practice to your day. You know, they'll look at me like, are you kidding? Where would I do that? Right? And for many of my my clients, the same is true. They're just trying to survive the day. So how do we make things easy? So, you know, glimmers are a way that that's easy because they truly are all around us, but we miss them. So it might just be, you know, as you wake up, you might say, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to see if there's a glimmer on my path today, a glimmer. That's it. Because truly once you start seeing them, you will begin to look, look for more. And some of the common places to find them are nature Right. So it can be actual nature or it can be images of nature. It it does the same thing to our nervous system. Music seems to be all around us. Art and some sort of movement, right? Movement brings some ventral because we humans are made to move. We just are. We're made to be moving through the world. And so that there are these tiny moments when everything feels something settled inside and it's like, oh, okay, that's a glimmer. So look for those, right? It's a reminder that in the midst of this challenge of your daily life, your nervous system also has the capacity to bring you up Micro moment of regulation. And that I think is so important when we're working and and we're in the midst of a dysregulated kid who's had a meltdown and I just can't. Right. To know that that is true. And I also have the capacity wired into my biology to notice a glimmer, right? I can't in that moment because I'm way too dysregulated, but to come back and remember, oh, this is a both and. And I think both and is so important for all of us as we try to navigate connecting with others.
1: Oh my goodness. You shared so much there. First of all, I love the concept of okayness because I think a lot of us judge ourselves for not showing up in the way we think we need to or that our kids demand of us and then we are not compassionate with ourselves and going down that road makes it even harder for us to kind of get back to the parent that our child needs. So I love this idea of okayness and also within that, just to be clear, I think this both and is so important because we tend to think, or even before I read your book, I was like, so the goal is to really live in this ventral vagal state, and it's not, right? That's not what we're working towards. So what are we looking for?
0: Well, the goal is to know when I'm there and know when I have been pulled away from there. And and again, the nervous system needs compare and contrast experiences. So I don't know I'm there unless I know what it's like to not be there right? that We need both of those. And so the goal is to know when I'm there, when I've been pulled out of there and have tools that help me get back there. That's the goal. Right. So it's, we call that a flexible nervous system, one that can then be, be regulated, can dysregulate and can come back to regulation. That's the goal for our kids too. We don't want our kids to always be in this place of regulation and calm. Right. We, we want them to be able to navigate the challenges to dysregulate and come back to regulation. And as we do that more and more, we build resilience. That's what resilience is. It's dysregulation. And coming back to regulation, if we look at it through a biological lens, that's resilience. And, and, you know, if I can be resilient and help my kids be resilient, that's a beautiful thing, because they are going to face challenges that will dysregulate them. We all do. And to know that they have some tools to find the way back you know the ordinary challenges of every day and and then when we meet extraordinary challenges we you know we go find a good therapist who can help us create some more pathways right but my goal is to help people be able to navigate the ordinary and even some of the extraordinary challenges of daily life without needing a professional but needing other people who understand the world in in the same way which you know if we come back to co-regulation i think it's in speaking this language as a family and then you know with other families and and with extended families and with friends so that we share this common way of understanding how we're human and when i look and i see a child over there who i don't know but is having a meltdown i can have compassion because I understand what's happening in the nervous system and I can offer something to the parent perhaps even if it's just a a smile you know those smiles we share like oh I've been there you know (laughs) I'm not judging you I've been there myself that's because my nervous system knows what that's like to be in that situation right and I think that's a beautiful thing that can happen we can create connections even you know remember neuroception sends messages, I don't even have to say anything. I can share that understanding with another just through a look.
1: So profound. We'll be right back after this quick break. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to TiltParenting.com club. That's TiltParenting.com club. I hope to see you on the inside.
2: Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. I did want to
1: ask, you talk about the power of the breath as a way to get us back online. And I was wondering, I know it's a great strategy for in the moment, but Doing this as a regular practice, can we also kind of front load our nervous system by doing that work?
0: Yes, and I I love front loading. I I tell people, you need to be proactive about this because in the moment, you're never going to be able to reach for your resources because you're too far into survival, right? So all of these things we want to practice when we don't need them, right? Because then we begin to build that capacity and breathing is one of those. Breathing is an autonomic nervous system experience, So it means that if we manipulate our breath, we can begin to shape our state. The caveat I would offer is that we have created breath patterns, or our nervous system has created breath patterns in order to keep us either away from traumatic material or keep us away from things that will dysregulate. And so as we change our breath and play with it, we just want to be careful because we're altering. The pattern the nervous system has created to keep us in a certain place, so that said, yes, we want to practice, and the thing that that I find the easiest is to talk about sighing because we sigh spontaneously many times a day so it's something that that just happens right and we can intentionally sigh because the research says that sighing interrupts and begins to reset just briefly both our thoughts and our biology so it's a brain body experience of resetting and so and we sigh I love to sigh and when you invite somebody to you know okay let's just sigh with frustration together it's kind of fun it brings a little Sort of, oh, yeah, that was a good one. So we sigh in frustration all the time. And sometimes that can just reorganize that chaotic energy a bit in sympathetic anxiety and anger that we have if we sigh when we're hopeless or sigh when we're like giving up it brings a bit of energy back in and then I love the sighs of relief and contentment when I found my way back to ventral oh let's just let's celebrate this with a sigh right so I think people love sighing it seems like a fun thing to do so I do it with my grandkids I say oh come on let's all sigh And, you know, and they pick which kind of size so then we can play around with it. So, you know, and I didn't write a ton about breath practices because there are so many people who are doing really brilliant breath practices and lots of breath for kids books that are written. So you can find the one that fits. And I guess I would like to say that our nervous systems have a comment about things when we say, these are the five things to try. And this is where I started making personal menus. So I want you to make your personal menu because I kept getting in my inbox, five things to survive social distancing at the beginning of the pandemic. And it was like three of them, my nervous system said, no, thank you that won't work. And one of them was a maybe and one was a yes. And I thought, oh, is there something wrong with me? So the answer is no, there's nothing wrong with you, right? There's just your nervous system saying yes, no, or maybe, right? So when you pick up a book that that has breath practices, it might work for you, but you want to explore with the person you want to try it with and say, how does your nervous system respond, right? If it's a yes- go ahead. If it's a maybe experiment, if it's a no, go find a different one. Right. And, and there's no, there's no judgment in that. Right. There's no right or wrong way here. There's the way of each individual nervous system. And so play around with finding the resources to create your own resource menu and families have a great time creating resource menus. They actually create menus, you know, get very creative and write their menus and they all have their own. And, you know, oh, I'm going to pick from, you know, category A and B today. And somebody else says, oh, why don't you try my one over here? I mean, it's just a fun way to begin to play with how we're all, we work in these three organizing principles, neuroception, hierarchy, co-regulation. But within those principles, we all have our own pathways. And I think that's really lovely to really honor, right? My pathway is, is different than one of my granddaughter's pathways. We have such fun with that because they're just so different. And, and it's kind of fun to, to think about that. And she'll say, oh, I'm going to do this. I said, "Oh, I'm not doing that. No, that that would not work for me. I'm going to do this. And she'll say, no, thank you. Right. So it brings some playfulness into what I think is is a really powerful learning that we all are trying to deepen our connection to our nervous system, that's the listening piece. Tune in, right? Your nervous system sends you information. And sometimes we think about an instinct or a gut feeling, right? That's your nervous system talking to you. any symptom and in the, the clinical world in the medical world we have symptoms right if we think about that another way the symptom is your nervous system trying to tell you something so if you look at your kids and what's happening their behavior or their symptom and think oh their nervous system is trying to be heard let's see how we can listen that's where we want to go
1: so good And I just have to go back to what you said about sighing. Because when I read that, it just already changed something. Because I'm assuming or thinking this may be common for my listeners, the sound of our kids sighing is like fingernails on a chalkboard, like, oh, this kid is never happy. And they're naked. You know, like, we have all these stories about what their sighs mean. And I heard Asher do a big sigh the other day. And I was like, oh, that's a great release.
0: Right. And isn't that a beautiful experience? I love that. And and maybe you even said that out loud. And then that brings attention. Oh, right. Because yes, our brains make up a story when somebody sighs around us. So now that you have the information that sighing is a reset of the system, your brain has that context, will make up a different story, just like you did when Asher sighed. Absolutely. That's really when we understand the science underneath things, we see it differently, which is what we're trying to do. So yeah, but let's sigh away.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I will happily do that. So before we say goodbye, I just want to remind listeners, Deb's book is Anchored. Actually, you've written many books, and you have a lot of resources to share. So I'd love to hear where listeners can connect. But the book is that we've been talking about is Anchored How to Befriend Your Nervous System Using Polyvagal Theory. How else can listeners learn about you and the resources that you offer?
0: Yeah, come to my website. Come take a look around. It's rhythmofregulation.com and there's a a lot of free resources, recorded meditations, all sorts of things you can find. And I will say to your listeners in early 2023, there's going to be a mapping series for curious human beings, which is what I like to call my non-clinical population That, that will be on the website because I really do want to reach out to just, you know, everyday people who are trying to figure this out. So yeah, come visit.
1: I will definitely be checking that out. So thank you. And listeners, I'll have links to all of this in the show notes, and I'll update the show notes um, when that is available as well. So gosh, Deb, thank you so much. My mind is a little blown right now. So I just appreciate you are such a good translator of this. I ha- I feel like I have a whole new, deeper understanding of, of you know polyvagal. And it's going to just change the way that I show up or even just look at the world not just my kid or my partner but the world it's incredible work so thank you so much
0: Uh, and I have to say that that just warms my heart because that is what I hope happens for people that it changes the way you know we see the world
1: you've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast to go deeper into this episode visit the extensive show notes page for every episode, there's a dedicated page on my website with links to all the resources mentioned, a full transcript, and a podcast player with key takeaways marked so you can easily go back and re-listen to the sections you're most interested in. Just go to tiltparenting.com podcast and select this episode. The Tilt Parenting Podcast is hosted by me, Debbie Reber, author of the book Differently Wired and the founder of Tilt Parenting. This episode was edited by Andrea Curtis Amasquita, and show notes were put together by myself, Andrea, and Lindsay McFadden. If you get a lot out of this podcast and want to help cover the cost of its production, please consider joining my Patreon campaign. On Patreon, you can sign up to make a small monthly contribution, as little as $2 a month, and it's super easy to sign up. Just go to patreon.com slash to learn more or click on the Patreon link on any show notes page. To follow Tilt Parenting on social media, go to at Tilt Parenting on Instagram and Twitter and on Facebook. Lastly, please help this podcast stay visible and easily found by the listeners who need it by subscribing and leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much. And that's all for this week. Stay safe, stay well, and take good care. And for more information about this podcast or any of the resources that Tilt offers, visit TiltParenting.com.
3: Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors who are also creative beings